and the the coach was like, "Hey, you're you're gonna be a linebacker because your brother was a linebacker." Um, I I not I I don't really pride myself in being that in that position. I thought I told him I was a running back. That's what I love to do. I love to run the ball. And he's like, "No, you're gonna be a linebacker." So I I just took that and ran with it. All right, everybody, thank you again for listening to Vail Media's Now You Know podcast. Look, I think uh, one of the coolest things that that, uh, I've been able to experience and been fortunate to uh, have happened with our podcast, given its age and how uh, new we are, is is the people that we're connecting with and that we have come in um, have some serious words of wisdom. These are like it's like uh, the the life lessons uh, that we're able to learn from uh, our guests who are top tier performers in in uh, business and teaching and whatever their space is uh, you know what I mean we're we're able to uh, kind of I, I hate this phrase but it's the only thing coming to mind we're, we're able to kind of pick their brain uh, if you will like to kind of uh, dive into the psyche of, of maybe what we need to do to um, excel in whatever our spaces are. The principles that they talk about, whether they're in athletics or, or whatever, appeal to everybody. Now, today um, we have another special guest who has a really uh, pretty inspiring story. Uh, he happens to be one of my good buddies also. Um, but uh, he's, a, he's a Utah boy, grew up here in Utah, and uh, ended up uh, excelling in uh, the athletic space and was a standout a college football player at the University of Utah and um, recently has uh, decided to shift those uh, principles that he learned uh, in that field and and throw them into the world of business as, uh, as he and uh, his spouse have started uh, to the path of being entrepreneurs and so we're gonna we're gonna cover all of that but um, without further ado welcome uh, my guest my good friend uh, Sunia Tauteoli. Sunia, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me, Will. It's <laughs> it's nice to actually be here. Hey, we, we've been talking about this for a while, man. I know <laughs> when we when we had even kind of uh, started thinking about doing a podcast, I we had talked at the beginning. And I was like, hey, man, I'm going to start this podcast. I want you to come tell your story. Um, because a lot of people will recognize you. Most people will recognize you from uh, your standout days at the University of Utah. What years did you play at the U again? So I played from 2015 to 18. So and uh, you played uh, obviously Wit was still is still the king over there and you played under <laughs> uh, Kyle over there and and you have, you guys have a really cool coaching staff um, and then recently you and your wife started a business uh, what's your business called again and how's that going so the business is called Encompass Family Services we service people with disabilities it's definitely a change from being on the football field and the gridiron <laughs> mm-hmm. all the way. To working in business space yeah. and learning that that aspect of it, but it's been really good. Yeah. Well, what about um? I, I wa- we're gonna go obviously back to we're gonna kind of follow the format that we always do on the podcast. We're gonna go back and kind of start with your journey and where you came up, where you grew up, and and talk about the ups, downs, highs, and lows. Um, but we recently started doing uh, some maybe more branding questions. These are lighthearted, more trivial. Um, but I think it's also to help uh, spread awareness of, of what, what's out there for Utah. Um, and, and really just a, a few questions behind this. Um, now, you've traveled especially um, especially with your football team, and, and you've been involved with, with sports for pretty much your whole life. You've been everywhere. I know that you lived in Texas for a couple years. Um, but what, what about... What's your no, first of all? What's your favorite thing just about the state of Utah? And take that however you want. If that means people, places, whatever. So I would say my favorite thing about Utah is my family. <laughs> it's that's basically the reason why we're here. I can live anywhere in the United States, in the country, or in the world if my family's there. So I would say I'm a really big family guy, and that's just what draws me here. Other than I'm not really a hiker or outdoors person. <laughs> you can never find me on any of those hills or yeah. jumping any bridges. That's not what I'm really passionate about. But I think the the people in Utah is what 
kind of draws me more. Cool. And so your family, your your last name is obviously in terms of the Polynesian community, more specifically the Tongan community. The Tauteoli family is, is a pretty big family, too, so they're pretty well known. So we'll take that as an open invitation for everyone in Utah to come and to your next family <laughs> reunion uh, per your uh, invitation to meet the <laughs> nicest and coolest people. Labor Day 2020, come through. <laughs> <laughs> we'll park you guys in Vietnam. <laughs> Don't be afraid to come through, man. There's always food for everyone. That's good, man. And then uh, let, let's let's shift uh, maybe to kind of my favorite question about Utah. When you're out, right, you're out and you're traveling and you want can't wait to come back home and you come home, where's a place that you like to eat um, that only Utah has? And like when you're just like doing or when you're out somewhere else, you're like, dang, if only they had <laughs> this, I could, you mean, I'd be happy. Uh, I would say there's a couple of places. Uh if I'm going more so where I grew up it, in Glendo, uh, it's uh, Nolisis, the Tongan restaurant down yeah. there. Really Pacific good restaurant. Seas, yeah. Pacific Seas. So um, that's that's a probably go-to place. When I'm out somewhere else, I'm thinking about Nolisis. Yeah. I'm like, dang, I wish they had one of those out there. Well, that's and that's, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because that's authentic Tongan food. And so like um, I like, I like a lot of people, right? Like, and we, I feel like Polly's like relate to this, right? Like, um, where like someone might go and have like some like spam musubi or something, yeah, and they'll think that they're super cultured and like, man, I had some authentic Tongan food, and you're like, this uh, is the real deal. Yeah, you go so eat this that, is, you're and, gonna and get and a heart attack. It's interesting because like <laughs> one of my best friends in high school, shout out to Johnny Smith. I know he listens to this. Um, he uh he loves that place. He told me he 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 can like he was trying to inform me one time. He's like, dude, there's this authentic poly place you gotta try. I was like, bro, I know, man, like. But uh, yeah, you step into Pacific Seas and there's all different types of races in there. Yeah, it's good food. Good food. So go check it out. They're on Redwood Road and about like 11th South or something like that. Yeah, um, Pacific Seas. So so shout out to them. <laughs> and uh, and if you mention Sunia's name, you'll probably get a 10% discount or a slap in the face. If you don't get a discount, just ven- I'll Venmo you. <laughs> 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 and then last question about Utah, last of our all of our branding type questions. Um, where's your favorite place in Utah? Now like um and just to visit, maybe meditate or or just to hang out? Uh <clears throat> growing up I really didn't have a specific place where I would go like and kind of get away. Uh first time going to St. George was like two years ago so yeah <laughs> so uh i think for me uh it's just anywhere anywhere around salt lake i feel at home when i'm at salt lake coming into utah you see the mountains that just is always a you know a yeah. homey feel for me good good salt lake is uh that's the that's the place to be man that's where i grew up too and so um for everyone who's listening uh those are sunia's recommendations his family <laughs> reunion uh go to uh Nolisi's or Pacific Seas restaurant in Glendale. Uh and then just stay in the Salt Lake Valley, man. And <laughs> and you know you can say at that point that you're uh you can empathize with Sunia and, and uh understanding you know, I mean his mindset. Let's go back to the beginning of your story. You grew up in Glendale. Um and obviously part of a lot of what we're gonna talk about is um your uh athletic career. And so you were, were you involved with sports at a really early age, and uh, how did that? Um, how did how did you take to sports, and, and at what age? So I started playing football uh, at the age of seven, and I actually was born in West Valley, and raised. Shout out to West Valley. <laughs> shout out to West Valley. So, uh, seven years old, started football for Granger Granger Lily, and. Uh, from there, football has always been my passion. One of my passions that when I was a kid growing up, it's just the coolest thing to wear the jersey everywhere. Halloween's come, you're a football player. Yeah. You just put some makeup on and you're you're dead. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you're just a zombie football player. Everyone that's just that that's just the something that I always was drawn to in football was not only you have another group of friends, but you're working hard together, you're you know, 
and you're in West Valley. I, man, I loved playing in Granger, literally. So I would say that I would say that uh, my upbringing in West Valley uh, and the group of guys that I that I played with till I was a freshman uh, kind of you know built that love for the sport. That's cool, man. You were um, so you were that kid, the the football player, <laughs> zombie kid at all the elementary school parades or whatever. Now, now, now we again we're learning a lot about you. That's better than me, dude. Do you know who? Uh, do you know who Charlie Chaplin is? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, so if you look up anyone who's listening, Google Charlie Chaplin. He's this guy from back in the days, like uh, he was like when TV first came out, black and white. He's like um, he was a comedian, but there was no. TV or sound or whatever, so and he had like the little Hitler. Oh yeah, yeah, you know I, yeah. Like I've seen feet. that guy. Yeah, I was that guy for Halloween one time. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, you know I me. Mean? I was a little kid, and so I didn't care that I was brown and he was white, and so like I was just wearing my church suit with a hat and a Hitler mustache. And oh I remember one gosh. of the teachers was like, "Oh, are you?" Are you Hitler? A gangster? <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, no, I'm Charlie Chaplin. He's just like, oh, okay, but that's uh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> but um, I also was a football dude one time too to restore some of my uh, dignity. But uh, going back to your story, man, I remember when you were. I remember actually because you had played football with uh, my cousin, and I remember you even being um, a part of their team and, and you were a small you're a small you're you're a pretty decent size you right you're a middle linebacker or inside linebacker slash outside linebacker i don't know at the university of utah you're a good size now what were how how how, how much were you weighing in and and how tall are you when you're playing at the u at the u i would i was uh i say i'm six foot but i'm really five eleven and three yeah. quarters yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone comes to me I'm gonna tell him I'm six foot. Yeah. Even my driver's license can yeah. hold that. But uh, at the U, I was around five eleven, six foot, and uh, two twenty. Right, so a pretty pretty decent size, right? You can, and uh, um, and you excelled. You did really well there, actually. Um, but when you were when you were little, I this is how I remembered you, and because we kind of go back, uh, you were a small, oh yeah, small guy, and like a lot of polys. <laughs> Like we had Harvey Longy on here like uh, not too long ago. And he was always a lineman, right? And that's kind of like the general consensus for Paulies, right? Like they're always kind of bigger dudes. And uh, even a lot of the guys that excel, like you mean, being a running back or whatever later on in their careers, uh, like Harvey. You mean in Little League, they're, they're you mean, too heavy to, to run the ball. But, but you were a small dude. Yeah. Um, and kind of just came into it a little bit later. Yeah. I was always a small guy. Uh, always had to face that challenge. <laughs> yeah. In a way, growing up, I I had the little man syndrome, where when I was on the field, although I was the smallest, we would talk crap off yeah. the field, and when I get on the field, I would say, "Oh, we'll see when we hit pads. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how that goes." Yeah. And so it kind of made me a little more tough because everyone was like, "Man, this kid, you know, he's he's like four four foot nothing, you know." And he's over here running me over. <laughs> but I think that that aspect of being smaller and undersized carried throughout my whole career of football. And uh, where, I, where did you go to high school? I went to East High School. So you grew up in West Valley. You guys moved to the Glendale area, closer to Salt Lake City. And then you go to East High School. Well, were you still playing? Because I know when you're playing in West Valley, you're a running back. Yeah. In your little league days. Were you still running the ball when you hit high school? Or? Yeah, I was still running the ball when I came into high school. Freshman year, I was still small. Uh, I was a buck 25 and probably like 5'5", five, 5'4". Five, 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 that's, that's how I was my freshman year. I could, everyone was hitting a plate. Uh, you know, everyone was doing the, the, the weight room things, getting stronger. I avoided that. <laughs> I was the guy that avoided that. I didn't want to go in there because I knew I couldn't do it. Um, so coming into high school, it was a, you know, a transition uh, as far as my size and how that played out in sports. And I knew I could play. It's just 
you know, you, you come across coaches and, you know, other players and you just want to be the best, right? Yeah. And so I, I did everything that I could in high school, sophomore, junior year, so that I could, you know, excel in a way. Well, this is important because I think it kind of segues into um, you, you finished high school, you graduated from East and you played all years. You did, you did really well. Like you were getting all the playing time that you could dream of. Um, and, and at this point for young athletes, right, this is where they're like, all right, now I'm going to go play college ball. And these are, you mean, the schools that are looking at me. Uh, what did that look like for you? What was, who was, who was taking a look at you at that point? So back then, right now, East High is like a big school if you want to get some scholarships right you go to east high that's now but back then when we were going it was a school that people avoided you know <laughs> <laughs> they would have you know the daily mobs with the polynesian guys and uh you want to avoid everybody in the locker rooms or right. go into confined spaces where you can escape you know right that that was the fill at east high and um no Troy Bolton. No, uh, no, no, no Troy Bolton. No Bobcats. <laughs> we seen it. <laughs> we seen most of our boys tried out for that. You know, we were hey, extras. Put them, put them on blast. Who, who, who tried out for the Troy uh, Bolton let, part? You know, <laughs> Denny Tuai, Nikita V. You know those guys, man. You know these guys were. You know, we all had a blast at East High. It was more so uh, just playing with your friends, you know, yeah. and getting that type of relationship. And um, when we translated to football. It just, it was all about who can hit the hardest, who mm-hmm. can, you know, who can be the toughest guy on the field. That's how I felt at East. Uh, as far as academics, it was n- non-existent. <laughs> and so a lot of us back then, um, even with academics and also athletic-wise, we were behind the curve, you know. So we didn't get any scholarships. We didn't, we didn't get any looks. Uh, there was one guy in my year who actually just got a preferred walk on he's he's your family too stevie yeah. and now he's in the league but um that was he was one of our best players and and all he got my senior year was a preferred walk on you know um up at the u and so um for the rest of us we were like you know what is football after high school even though personally i had dreams of playing at a bigger stage you know well i think this is important because i think like um for if, if, if you're a younger athlete right and and there's uh like uh and you truly enjoy this game uh be it football or whatever volleyball water polo i don't care what it is um this is an important part of your story because you could have at this point just hung it up and said you know what like i know you went on a mission it's time to go on a mission and then i'm just moving on um, but obviously we're sitting here today in 2020, we know what, uh, your career ended up being and is a really successful one. Um, but, uh, at, at this point you could have just, just hung it up and said, whatever. Now you did go on a mission after high school, pretty yeah. much right after, right? Yeah. Um, and then you come back and, uh, when you come back, was football on your mind? Like, like this is, or it like, uh, you mean a lot of a lot of guys when they go serve their mission, they kind of, you mean towards the end of it, they kind of like this is what's going to happen. I'm going to and they line up their A, Bs and Cs and one, twos and threes and say, this is uh, what I'm going to do. Um, was football a part of that A, B, C, one, two, three plan or? Yeah. So, <clears throat> just to kind of backtrack, um, when I was in high school, uh, I kind of I prided myself in being the best player. I thought that I was the best player. Uh, my senior year sprained my ankle and you know how that season I, I prepared as much as I could I went to camps my junior year senior year nothing came you know um, although I felt I was a lot better than most athletes it, it just didn't come you know and so um, getting into the end of the year football um, usually I would just hang it up you know but um we had award ceremonies at the end of the year for our team and my parents were there and uh you know I didn't have the season I was you know expected to have because and of the injury because of the injury and um I didn't perform all the time I was playing injured you know you kind of do that when you're an athlete but um 
man, it just hit me differently because my coach, you know, he was giving out awards. I didn't get one award my that that night. And I bawled my eyes out to my parents and I said, sorry, you know, you know, I my whole life I played in my senior year comes in. I have I don't have nothing to show for it, you know. Um, and I was just bawling my eyes out and it just hit me there. And my dad was like, well, don't let them tell you how good you are. You know, you don't have to let them do that. And ever since then, it just like put a fire under me. And I and I knew I wanted to serve a mission, but it was always on my mind that when I come back, I I I was trying to prove myself in a way, you know, that I can play with the best and I can do what do what other people are doing, even though I am a little undersized, you know. Do you think that's important to um you said even before the injury happened, in your mind, you felt like you were you were the best player on the team. Now, what if there's dudes on your team that say you weren't or whatever? That's that's besides the point. Yeah. But my question is, do you think that that that's important for for um, an athlete and even someone else who might not be in athletics to kind of have the mindset of I'm the best. Forget whoever the big dog is. I I can be here. Yeah, I think that that dog mentality inside is something that you can draw in any field of work, whether you're an athlete, whether you're in business, whether you're you know, painting a picture, you know, everything that you do um, when you have the confidence to, you know, to show, to show for, I think that that goes a long way, especially as a young high school kid, when coaches are telling you, I, I have a little story, um, Cap, Sipa, Cap, Cap Sikahema, yeah. I don't know, a lot of people know him in the coaching field, yeah, we he's, know Cap. he's very blunt, straightforward, Every other word is a swear word, you know, <laughs> but he gathered everybody together and he, you know, as a high school kid and he said, okay, you, you and you, you guys are going to college and the rest of you guys, <laughs> you're not going, <laughs> you know, he was just that blunt, you know, and, um, I wasn't one of those guys, you know, and I was like, okay, this guy, who, who does he think he is, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I think that mentality of never accepting, um, someone putting that on you, that you are this type of person. You are you are who they say you are, but um always, you know, you know who you are and yeah. fighting for what you what you know. Yeah. So. Well, I think I'm I'm glad you brought that up because um I think there's a, a lot of valuable lessons and principles to take away from that. Um going back to your story, you come back, you go and you you uh you did something that personally I think specifically for for the sport of football seems to be a wise decision uh, only given I, – I only say that because the amount of people that that do what we're about to explain, there's like a, a ton of yeah. success stories from this, right? Mm -hmm. You come back and instead of trying to walk on at, at uh, you know, I mean, our big schools here locally, BYU or Utah, you, you go down to Ephraim uh, like two and a half hours away – and uh, and and you play snow. Now snow, for those who don't know, it's a junior college in Ephraim uh, or Manti area. It's technically in Ephraim, but right next to Manti. Um, and and you decide to play ball there. I, I only bring this up because this there's a lot of guys who who, who have done this, like yourself that are successful. Like uh, Star Lotulele did it. Uh, Matt Asiata did it. A bunch of other ones. Those and those two happen to go to the league also. But um, but it. It's uh, something that you decided to go, and you just played for one year down there, right? Yeah. And you you must have had a successful year because from from here is kind of a really interesting point of, of your story. What happens is athletes will go here, they'll play, and and really the long-term goal is to go play at a, at a bigger school, right? And, and, and it happens all the time. Kids go there and they'll go to BYU, Utah, or USC, or, you know what I mean, Washington, sometimes Oregon. And so... It's a it's a solid step to take, and it's one that I think a lot of people understand. Um, and and you seem everything seems to be going according to plan. You have a great season at, at Snow, um, and then it's and and it's a two year school. But mm -hmm. you had a good enough season to where coaches were talking to you after the first year, and they're like, "Hey, come come play for us." Um, and and you make a decision as to where you're going, um, and then things don't don't play out. Uh, like like you had planned. Um, tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so <clears throat> Snow College was uh, just as what I pointed out. It's a, you know, it's a, if you watch Netflix, uh, Last Chance You, it's that type of environment. Exactly. It's a, you know, you're you're in there and this is this is basically your your last chance. You want to go in and you want to make a impression and you want to prove to D1 colleges that you're you're able to play with the best. And so and snow in particular like if you if you're not familiar with snow college like uh you might be thinking this is just some dinky farm town school but the the caliber of talent specifically as not can't speak for other colleges there's a lot of D1 talent division 1 talent at this school and and, and because a, a lot of players are thinking hey let's you know what I mean We'll come here just temporarily before before we come here. So it's not like you're just playing with uh, a bunch of goats and cows. Yeah, <laughs> like in, in the middle of nowhere, you're playing with some some boys that actually play. Yeah, and so I would say that even to those athletes that are coming out of high school, there's a lot of athletes that um, in any sport they get overlooked. You know, they don't have the opportunity then and there. Uh, snow college is another opportunity. Junior college is another route. Um, for me, it, it was that route because. My brother had played there. Uh, Your brother, who's also a pretty good athlete. Yeah. So he's old, uh, my, my older brother, he he played there a year before, two years before, or a year before, and his mission, and then he came back, but he was an All-American linebacker over there. Me coming out of high school, nobody knows who I am. Uh, I reach out to my brother and I say, hey, uh, do you think you can talk to the coaches for me? And he was like, yeah. He, he went down there and... Um, he went to the coach and I and the coach I sat down with the coach one night and in his office and he said, Hey, what do you play? Mind you that I just got off my mission. I was one sixty and I was still like undersized. I was like five eleven, you know? Um Man, I wish I had that problem of being undersized. <laughs> so I was I, I got off my mission at one sixty and I wanted to go play football and I go to the head coach and my brother, you know, and he's a lot bigger than me, and he, you know, he he goes to the head coach directly, and he says, "Hey, um, could you take my brother on as anything, you know, take him on anywhere?" And uh, me, I'm like, "Yeah," he, I'm like, "Yeah, I just want an opportunity to play. I know I can play." Um, the the coach was like, "Hey, you're you're going to be a linebacker because your brother was a linebacker." Um, I I. Not, I, I don't really pride myself in being that in that position. I thought I told him I was a running back. That's what I love to do. I love to run the ball. And he's like, no, you're going to be a linebacker. So I, I just took that and ran with it. Uh, coming from not even being looked at, you know, six string at Snow College, Junior College, Podunk Town, mm -hmm. um, to, you know, where I was six months later um, getting offers, you know. And so I think that in itself um there was a lot of people that like had their hand in it um to bring success you know as far as success on the field so there was coaches that cared and that would wake me up yeah individually on my own to go and work out you know every day that's awesome you know? man and you have you end up having a standout season um and then where did you commit to originally before, because you you have a standout season enough to do what a lot of the boys want, and and I want to say this too, it's important for people to to realize um, what what you want, right? Like yeah. what you really want, because like I'm sure if you had to break it down, like nobody, you know, what I mean, if you had an option to go play Division One straight away or go to Ephraim, like in the <laughs> middle of nowhere, and a lot of these boys have never even been there before um, to play. You know what I mean? If if that was your, you know what I mean? If if is if that's as far as your mindset went, then maybe you wouldn't. But if uh, I think it's important to highlight what you actually wanted. You know what I mean? Was to play at a bigger school, yeah. Um, in front of a bigger audience, have the bigger thrills and and everything that's uh, involved with that. Um, and I think it's just important to 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 anyone, young yeah. athletes or business people. I don't give a crap. Like you know what I mean? Like whoever whoever you are. Um. Yeah, I would say. Just, yeah, focus. Focus yeah. on what you want because because you did it in a year, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people do two years or whatever, but you did it in a year. You get this opportunity to go play Division One, and originally you decided to go to Utah State. Utah State. So I originally went to Utah State, and uh, 
academically, I needed to get my associates. So when I went down to snow, I had uh, the mindset that I was going to do two years in one year and finish out and then move on to the next level. Um, so when I was down there, the mindset of just being goal oriented and not going out, you can get very distracted in in those type of settings right. and get lost in you know the number of people that are there. Um, but I just stayed focused. This is what I wanted. I had a plan. I had a goal. And every day was working towards that. And I luckily after my it was after my spring. So my first spring there at snow, I made a highlight tape and then I got offers off of my spring ball highlight tape. Awesome. Not even a season. So I was like, OK, I think I can play. You know, <laughs> I it was kind of confirmation. OK, I can play. So I um, went into the season, uh, got offered uh, by a lot of different places. Was that pretty important to you to, like, uh, feel that validation at this point? Because, um, yeah, well, was it? Yeah, so I think a lot of athletes go through the same thing. They, you know, they are they good enough or um, in their mindset, like, is, you know, do because you're, you're being va- evaluated by coaches and other players and, you know, your family. And, and so you get that validation that someone believes in you. Yeah. That you can play. And so. Uh, Utah State was my first decision uh, that I went with because of the coach. He was he was he was an awesome recruiter. And but but this is interesting because you commit to Utah State, you sign the papers, you do everything in terms of like the proper procedures. You know what I mean to go to Utah State. Um, you're heavily influenced by the coach. But uh, and we talked a little bit about this before. You actually never even stepped foot on uh, Utah State's campus. Um, but because of the signatures and everything and you committing there, uh, it kind of caused like a, a huge, a huge bump in the road, um, in terms of your football career. Yeah. What was that? So I signed, I signed to Utah State and, uh, legally I was Utah State's property. They, you know, they, they gave one of their scholarships to me and for three years to play over there. Uh, legally, I was supposed to be there. I decided not to due to family, you know, financial problems and, um, you know, the coach leaving to Vanderbilt right after I signed. Um, it just it just didn't feel right. And uh, the NCAA had said, OK, since you're not honoring your their first, uh, you know, order of, you know, sending me the letter saying you're not honoring your agreement, uh, you're going to lose two years before you go anywhere else. Uh, to me, I was like, dang, two years? I'm like 22, 22 at the time, 23. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to. Football's done for me. Right, because a lot of people, and especially because the mission, right? Like, So yeah. you have two years out, so now you're already coming in a little bit older. A lot of these guys, by the time they're going in the pro, they're like 21 sometimes. Yeah. Right, and so you're, you're at 22, you just, with only just one year under your belt as opposed to maybe all four. Um, and then, uh, what, what were some of the, what were some of the mental struggles that you had to go through at this time? Like, um, when the NCAA pretty much says, Hey, because you decided not to go to the school that you said you're going to go to for noble causes, right? Some personal yeah. reasons along with, uh, the coach that you were felt the connection with had, had left. And that's a normal thing in, yeah. in the, the sports world, right? That happens. Um, but because you didn't, whether your reasons were noble or not, here's your, uh, in air quotations, punishment, right? Yeah. Um, mentally, what what were the hardest things at that time? Well, I would say mentally is um, you kind of have this expectation that you're supposed to be playing somewhere and the season goes on and you're not anywhere. And I think you're, you just get deflated in a way, you know, <laughs> you're like, okay, well, uh, maybe I need to focus on something else. And so I think mentally I was, um, to that point where I had tried a, like three or four times to the NCAA and they still gave back the same answer. And so I was like... When you say you tried, you tried to appeal to them saying, "Yeah, hey, wait a minute, like, please let me play because you know, here are my reasons. And you tried three or four times and they still say no? Yeah. I would appeal giving X, Y, and Z everything that I needed to share with them. And they would say, that's not a good enough reason. Uh, you need to go 
to you're supposed to be at Utah State. Um, and so uh, coming to that that mindset of constantly being told no, 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 I said, all right, I need to pick up a job. <laughs> so I picked up two jobs during this time, and I uh, just worked day and night just to get my mind off of it. Now, were you thinking at this time when you have two jobs day and night, um, were you thinking like uh, I'm done? This is just now. It's just time to work. Or? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking I'm done. It's time to work. Move forward. Uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to sob over every uh, you know the sad story of oh I can't play. Um, so I wanted to go do something else. And so in my mind, I still felt I can play, and I knew I can play. Um, there was just that legal, you know that that legal papers yeah, the deal yeah. with the ncaa so you're just yeah like all right whatever 22 i'm a little older anyways i'm just gonna hang it up and yeah and just let it be what it be and yeah that's, that's my football career but luckily um utah came around and uh and they you know they they were my first offer at snow college and i chose utah state over them and um they came back and they they still they they kind of asked like hey what's going on like you're supposed to be playing you know why aren't you playing and uh, gave them the breakdown and we kind of made a plan there you know we made a plan that this is what's gonna happen and now, I kind of at this point does this spark a fire for you or yeah this was out of nowhere I was you know at work and I get an email from uh, a friend and um, they and they tell me you know you should be playing and you know. The people up at the U, they still believe in you that you can you can do it, and so I, throughout this whole process, mentally, I still had a support system with my my parents. Um, they were they were solid, you know. I I I gave up, but they said no, you can you can keep playing. Uh, they would just remind me, you can do it, you can do it, picking me up every time, and so having that support system kind of throughout that whole year process. And having someone there uh, mentally kind of stabilized me to continue to keep trying, you know. Dude, for me, when I hear that, there's like two two check boxes that I make for myself in ways that I can serve or turn outward. The first one is is that right? If I see somebody now after hearing your story and, and a, a bunch of other stories too, I think it's important for all of us to recognize someone um, who might still have dreams and for whatever reason life has thrown them a curveball. Um, but still be supportive to them. That's something that I hear. And I take that note from your parents' example. Yeah. The other thing I take from so far what you mentioned is uh, support also, but maybe from a third-party type of a way, like when you mean you have your friends at the U saying, hey, dude, you should be playing. Kind of, again, similar to when the scouts were saying, hey, off of your spring ball tape, which is not even real games, mm -hmm. saying, hey, let's do this. And, and I only bring that up because, like, that's that's something that I think I've seen a bunch of times. There's a guy named Jeff Curl, and uh, he – have you heard of – you know the company Stance that does the socks? Yeah, yeah. That's his company, and, and I heard an interview where he talked about um, the same thing, where he would feel validated. He had a company that he, he had started – um, and I can't remember, I'm paraphrasing, so the story might not be the way that it was, but from what the interview that I remembered, um, the, the when he's done working with this company and he wasn't sure how people had viewed him, there's a guy, uh, one of the bigger investors here who approached him and said, hey, come work for me. I, like, I really believe in kind of your business acumen and, and what you're capable of. And obviously, and he talks about how that was a big deal. Like, you know what I mean? There mm -hmm. were people like, wait a minute. You, you, you saw that. Like you, you think you think I got. You think there's something there, too. I, I was starting just at the point that you might start to doubt yourself. You know what I mean? Someone comes in. So maybe the invitation to the listener or anyone is, uh, I I think when I hear that I'm like, man, try to be that for someone. You know what I mean? If I yeah. see someone if they're trying to lose weight or something, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, dude. I can I can see it, man. You're you're doing it. You know what I mean? And I think that's just important in anyone's journey. Uh, for success and i think if you do it then you're more likely to have that same behavior reciprocated back to you yeah um but uh you uh you decide so so yeah continue with the story so now you're um 
have this spark kind of lit back up and you're like, dude, you know what? I do think I can do it. Like, you know what I mean? I'm working two jobs, but I have the strong support system at home with my family, especially your parents. Um, and now I'm getting people from the football world who are even saying, bro, you shouldn't, you shouldn't just be working. Not yet. You, you still, you still got it in you. Um, but you're not eligible. So, yeah. so, but I'm not eligible at this time. And, uh, my mom tells me again and she's like, Hey, I have a good feeling about this. You should probably try again. And so I'm just doing all the research that I can as far as uh, how can I get eligible. And I I realized that I didn't even step foot on campus um, at the time that I was set to go. I didn't even step foot. I didn't, I didn't start anything with the school. I just signed the papers. So I wrote the letter stating that to the NCAA. And the NCAA, within a couple of days, sent back and they said, you're good to go. Um, and this was towards the end of the year. And for me, that was uh, a trying time. But the people around me, so I would say throughout my whole football career and throughout my life, uh, it's not so me as the individual, but it's the people around me that I surround myself with that are continually, you know, you know, saying, hey, you can do this. Hey, you can go. Hey, you can do this. You know, you should be doing this. And they're constantly giving me positive vibes. And they're telling me that I can do this. And and for me, as an individual, I think that proved to be um, something that helped me overcome my, you know, my wall that was placed in front of me. And so getting getting into the U. Because the, the NCAA says... You, you're right. You never have. Yeah. You're good to go. Yeah. After the fifth try, yeah. after the fifth try, I, I, you know, it was a answer to, to my prayers. It was in, in ways it was a lot spirit, a lot of spiritual um, things that had gone through uh, to make this happen. And, you know, that's something that I do believe in uh, that I hold to, um, you know, that, that played a, a really big part in me, you know, continuing my journey and so I felt that, yeah, this was what I needed to do. Yeah. Well, I think I, th- I think we kind of laugh about like it being the fifth try, but um, that's actually like a lot more profound. You know what I mean? Than I think maybe we give it credit because, um, man, it's so cliche and it's you know what I mean part of me is like, dude, don't say it, but like, dude, you just can't give up, man. Like, yeah. If you get a no or a, a bump in the road or a curveball thrown at you. Or you fall down, just get back up, man. And and I think, uh, it, I think maybe that's perhaps my favorite thing um, in me, kind of already knowing your story, um, that uh, that that I think that you've displayed in in your your journey, right? And and it and it goes even past athletics because you you end up having like a, a very successful three years at the University of Utah. You had some great years. You guys never lost to BYU. Never. Never and, lost uh, to BYU. BYU <laughs> is gonna they're they're on their way to making up for that. So yeah. leave, my, leave my Cougars alone a little bit. But hey, they're gonna win this year. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> COVID COVID beat Utah this year. <laughs> but um, but um, and I don't I don't just want to skim over that. So let, maybe to kind of just capture maybe those three years. Why don't you just tell us your favorite your favorite uh play or or football moment. While during your successful career, if you want to know more about it, look up YouTube. There's a bunch of highlights <laughs> of this dude just smashing some people. But um, your favorite moment to kind of capture the full three years um, well, that you uh, excelled over at the U. I would say my my favorite moment actually playing is something that everybody knows me by. You know, is the the interception at BYU. And taking it back in pick six, pick six, first play of the game, and I don't really acknowledge it, or you know, when people say it, I I don't really bring it up, so that people are like, hey, I'm that guy, you know, I'm the yeah. one that I'm the one that picked the ball off. It's okay, I'll be that guy for you because <laughs> after this play, you you were actually noticed as like the defensive player of the week uh, nationally, not, yeah. not just like a Utah award, but like nationally, yeah. you were uh, so, recognized for that. Yeah, it was it was definitely uh, one of the highlights of. My Utah football career, uh, having to having play, it over BYU makes it a little <laughs> bit sweeter. Or? Makes it a lot, a lot a bit sweeter. <laughs> you know, as far as the, according to Coach Witt, it's the team down south, 
he never says BYU. So even though he's a he, BYU he alumni, cool, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with these guys, man. <laughs> they just make their own acronyms and, so and go with it. But um, I think that throughout my whole career, that was probably one of my highlights that that I thought was an awesome feeling, not only for me, but for my parents, um, all the years that they would take me to, you know, to football and, yeah. and you know, the times that I would not do so good or yeah. fail, uh, you know, I, I had moments that they can enjoy the three years that I was up at the U that every game there was like 30 tickets, you know, yeah. everyone come to the game. Yeah. Uh, and just come That's and enjoy. That's so cool, bro. Because I will. I I never experienced that. You know, <laughs> I uh, I was the guy using the tickets. <laughs> I was like, hey, does uh, you think uh, he has extra tickets? But <laughs> whether you're the user or or you're the one playing, I think it, the the feeling is mutual. For sure, man. It's a, it's an experience that's kind of shared. You mean everyone for everyone across the board, wherever wherever you're at, whether you're in the stands or on the field. However. Uh, the little kid in me always wishes I could have been there, but uh, but my coach would be like, "No, you shouldn't." Be there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, well, I want I want to kind of you you end up starting a company, and you you guys just started your company not too long ago, right? Yeah, it was uh, last year, twenty nineteen, in around the end of April or the around end of April June. No, it's July, around July. Okay, so let's. I want to. I want to talk about that pivot, right? So you, you finish uh, having a successful career at the University of Utah, um, and uh, and and then uh, after uh, and and you during this time, I should mention you get married. Yeah. Right. Have a beautiful wife. You guys get married, and and now um, instead of going and getting a job, you decide. That you're gonna start a company um, with your wife. What? How? how what was that pivot like? Kind of coming and saying, "Hey, I've spent like the last, I mean, ten plus years, and football has been a part of my life, and now I'm gonna pivot and go and, and shift that focus and, and put it in into business." Yeah. Um, how did that decision come about? So, I think just like football, uh, any athlete coming out of sports. Football will end for everybody, uh, no matter if they're in the league or college, high school, or even little league. You know, that's it ends somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so coming out of that, I feel that the things that you take away from that and applying it somewhere, it's a little difficult because, you know, you're you're that's what you've been doing for the past 10 plus years or or that's just who you kind of associate with. And you're not you're not going to college to get a degree to get, you know, all this education, you're going to college so that you can get this, the schooling so you can play on Saturday nights, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of mentality that the athlete has, you know? And so when life hits, it's just a total different dynamic of how am I going to translate everything that I learned, um, into real life? What, uh, what's been, um, what do you think is the, one of those successful transfers, like a lesson that I learned in sports um, that helps me be a better business person today. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things. Um, I would say not giving up is one of them. You're going to continually hit barriers and hit walls and you're going to continue falling. And so you're going to get those times where you, it kind of reminds me of that moment in in my three-year career at Utah that you have those highlights that you look up, but nobody sees the grind or the, the dirtiness or all the stuff that happens behind the scenes. And I kind of compare that to the transition with business. Uh, everybody sees like, oh, man, they got their own company. Or like, man, they have, they have this, they can do this, they can do that. But they don't see the behind the scenes. They don't see the work, the ethic, everything the failures. And, um, I think that's just as important. Um, then pushing out your success is how you got your success or who gave you that success, who kind of mentored you towards that. And so, um, for us, yeah, like you mentioned, I did marry the love of my life and, 
you better mention that, man. <laughs> I don't want to get beat, but yeah, you better I, mention that before you, you get know, in trouble, man. Yeah, I, I, I met her. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if she even listens this far <laughs> into the interview. We'll know if she doesn't mention it, then she didn't listen. <laughs> yeah, we. You know, me and Will have these talks, you know, about, about you know, marriage. About how we don't have life figured out. <laughs> <laughs> about how we don't have life figured out. But I think <laughs> life has been figured out with our significant other. That's right. But uh, I would give. My wife hears this far. <laughs> she knows I would say that um, just like I had said before, that throughout my whole life, football, whether it's football or not football, that it's not about me. It's about the people that I surround myself around that kind of push me it's not about me as an individual but those people around me so i married i definitely married up and i married um to someone that uh that i viewed as the most beautiful girl in the world you know and not only that having that support continuing after football and pushing into other aspects of of life i would say that it was very key you know um, to have someone there and not only key for you know you as an individual but key for you know other aspects so starting a business or doing that because it was being mentored by you know my wife and her family and being associated with them and having that aspect of um, someone still believing in you and you know I don't know if you want me to get into that aspect more thoroughly but yeah, man. Uh, I would say after football, uh, I think I told you a little bit about uh, I did. I was just excited to find other passions. And I was like, man, this is just, you know, I've been doing football for the longest time. I want to see what else I can do. A I new went. Chapter. Yeah, a new chapter. I turned the leaf and I went and did door to door sales. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I, you know, having a degree and then doing door to door sales, it just didn't add up. But even that um, kind of prepared me and and I don't take anything away. There's a lot of, you know, people that would say that it's, you know, this and that. And but for me, the experience, I'm not a very good salesman, but as far as the experience and learning from that, uh, man, the transaction, the business, going through that process with people, I think that helped me do what I want to do now. Yeah. And so I think I think that's funny because like every every person in every industry will always say this, like uh, everyone should do this, yeah. uh, have this type of job before they do anything. Right. Like I've heard that for being a waiter or a waitress or for, for whatever. Everyone should have experience doing you know, manual labor or whatever. Uh, door-to-door sales is definitely one of those ones that I, I actually agree with. Like, I think um, whether, whether you want to we, – we've had some really cool people on here, Sam Taggart, Jeremy Nevis. They've they've uh, built successful companies in that industry. Um, and I think they'd agree too. You know what I mean? Everyone – you'll be a, a better person coming out of it, whether yeah. you decide to make that your career or uh, a step in accomplishing your goal. Yeah. And so I would say that that, uh, that moment of – um, trying to figure out what I wanted to do and the opportunities that were placed in front of me. Again, I was placed with something that I had to go out and find and go and do. Mm-hmm. Um, door-to-door sales was something that I felt, especially the group of guys that I was with. Man, it was a lot of fun, you know, passion-driven. Guys were doing the haka to go knock doors. And I was <laughs> like, what the heck is going on? So but um, I think that... That's funny, but I get it. <laughs> You know, I think that aspect of transitioning into business really opened a lot of doors um, mindset wise that there's opportunity anywhere, Um, whether it's in front of a door or, you know, in the next room when you're having lunch. You know, I think that that aspect is is something that you can't buy. You know, it's something that you're going through experiencing. And for me, getting into that, then. you know, I realized I wasn't a good salesman, so I was like, okay, I need to do something else that I that I am good at. And uh, I had one of my aunts reach out to me, and she uh, she runs up a, a business similar to ours right now currently. And I worked with her for about four months, and man, I loved it. I loved every day serving these type of dis- people with disabilities. Yeah. And actually giving back and seeing the change in somebody, that was something that I found passion um, for. And it just 
drew me away from work. It wasn't work. It was just something that I loved to do. Yeah. And I was getting paid for it, you know. And so there's a lot of things that I would kind of contribute to, like my aunt and them, a pioneer. They, you know, shout out to them. I don't yeah, want them to, to feel pioneer, like yeah. like they, you know, they didn't get their proper <laughs> shout yeah. out. But I feel like they were, you know, they were instrumental, instrumental in, in helping me find another passion that I'm eventually doing right now. Not only that, um, getting into like my father-in-law uh, and my mother-in-law, um, Kim and Anna, they, man, they really believed in me. And they were like, hey, why don't you guys start your own thing, you know? And um, just that same aspect of someone believing in you, the people you surround yourself with. Um, luckily, it was my wife and her family. And so he reached out to my wife and and then he said, hey, do you guys want to start this business? I think I think you would be you you'd be good at doing this. And I immediately jumped on it and I was like, this is something I love. Like I, I would work it with my aunt, but this is something that I love doing on the side. And so having that um, translate to now uh, of where we are is just the people around. You know, I can't I can't emphasize it enough how important it was that people around were able to believe in me and continue to push me to do what I need to do. You're, you're a very mindful dude, man. You're very kind of aware of 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 where you stand, your position and, and the people around you. Um, and uh, let's see how are we doing on time. Um let me let me ask this question to wrap it up. I actually had a few more questions, but I guess we can uh, just <laughs> schedule you to come back in. Because I, I do later, hopefully we can have you back on, but I, I'd, I'd like to even dive deeper into uh, you starting your company, Encompass, or is that what it's called? Encompass? Yeah, Encompass. Um, but starting it with your wife, that's that's a that's a whole other episode that we'll have you, uh, you yeah. guys come on. We can have your wife on too. And, you know what I mean? Some people... Uh, start companies with with their significant others and it's super successful and some they do it's successful but maybe it was too much on the relationship and stuff and so <laughs> and then some it, it ruins both right <laughs> <laughs> whether he, heaven forbid but, <laughs> heaven uh, forbid that to happen. <laughs> but um but i think you your, your trajectory shows that you guys are excelling in both right your business and your relationship and so i think eventually i'd like to maybe kind of unpack that more uh, in the future, and, and maybe that'd be more appropriate if she was here too, yeah. to kind of give some insight on on what that would be like to, if I if me and my wife want to start a shoe company, uh, or what do you guys think? Are we going to rip each other's heads off or <laughs> or, or, or not? Yeah. So you mean, and, and uh, maybe you can share some of the secret sauce there. But to wrap this this conversation up for now, I know that we're short on time. Uh, looking back, everything considered, um, and you're a very grateful person, man. It, it's it's evident in in how uh, our conversation so far, uh, what stands out to you or what are you the most grateful for uh, when your whole journey is considered? Let's see. Um, let's see, the most grateful thing, <laughs> uh, that's a trick question because if I don't say my wife, I'm in trouble. Okay, so let's say, <laughs> so of course your wife. Okay, beyond that, and beyond wife, your wife beyond, first and foremost. Let's not let's not just skip over that. So we're gonna give her a solid, beyond the spiritual as well. Yeah, you know we we acknowledge him as well. Yep. But uh, I would say what I'm most grateful for is uh, the opportunity. You know, I'm just I'm always that person that's in an opportunistic um, mindset where whatever is placed before me, I can. You know, I, I don't look at the bad and I don't see the negative. At times I do, but I say the opportunity because there's opportunity in anything. And so I think that aspect of of this whole journey and process of learning is just taking advantage of what's what's given and running with it. So I'm very grateful for that. Well, that's incredible, man. We want to thank your wife. We're grateful for her, too. Uh, we're grateful to, uh, you mean, when we look upwards too, to the big man upstairs and, <laughs> and of course, for the opportunity that we have had to sit down and have this conversation. So, uh, so thank you again from 
from our small team and uh, ladies and gentlemen, Sunia Tatio. Thank you. Thank you.